0: Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. And today, we're going to talk about some of the rumors about HomePods and iPhone 14. WWDC is right around the corner. Plus, Apple Wallet ID has come to more states. And could we get a Studio Display Pro later this fall? This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, New Relic, Super Beats Heart Shoes, Fast Growing Trees, and One More Earbuds. And joining me this week... This is my friend, Wes Hilliard.
1: How's it going, Wes? Pretty good, uh, Stephen. And uh, this show is also brought to you by Stephen's Hopes and Dreams, as far as uh, mm. getting a new studio display this year.
0: I mean, I have not jumped the gun because every time I go to buy a studio display, it's like it's eight to ten weeks out or pick up August, <laughs> like pick up in store in August. And I'm like, I'm not, I mean, there's, I'm not going to buy it now. Surely at some point they'll be available in stores, right? I don't know. Do you like, do you still like yours? I mean, you got a studio display there. Yeah, I,
1: I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, I did a monitor review recently that had coil wine and I was just like, yeah, this is a problem with monitors that exist. They're made with cheap plastic. Their electronics aren't highly calibrated. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things that it's like, I paid the extra, what, $300 premium that's probably on this monitor and got a really good monitor out of the deal. So I'm not upset by it.
0: I will say I'm, I'm in my new house now. We have finally moved Tune into Monday's episode of HomeKit Insider. I talk a lot about my, some of the new devices around and the new setup, but I'm in a new studio here, still working on some, some sound dampening. I actually have a blanket against one of the walls behind me just to make sure there's not too much echo.
1: See, sound dampening, I didn't know that literally involved water, Stephen. Um, I saw your Twitter post.
0: Yes, yeah, so I bought these these sound panels on Amazon. They weren't too expensive, but they come very compressed in these like packages. And I got a bunch of them because I covered an entire wall. I'll put a picture in the chapter on right now. But the way you uncompress them, I guess the best method is to soak them in water and then let them dry. Otherwise, I don't know, they won't be even.
1: I got a set of, pads on my wall and uh, all i did was leave them out for 24 hours and then hang them on the wall so maybe i'm doing it wrong
0: supposedly yeah you can do that too i guess i thought it would be quicker living in florida for them to like dry in the sun because i was trying to get it all done in one day
1: yeah i mean the the water's evaporating as it comes out of the water hose so <laughs>
0: exactly exactly they're all steaming so yeah that, that's what, that's what i did there was some little still damp as i put them on the wall but i was like meh a little air dry but what i did i if you've ever tried to set up a little podcast room, and you've got some of these sound like just the foam squares, basically, and you want to attach them to the wall using like three m strips directly on those foam things don't really work because they won't stick to it. so what I did was I actually got chloroplast sheets from Amazon, they're like two feet by three foot rectangles, and I used hot glue on the foam squares to glue them to the chloroplast, and so now I have these chloroplast sheets that had about six of the squares each again two foot by three foot and then i used 3m sticky strips on the chloroplast to attach those to the wall and i covered an entire wall of this room with them and they're staying up there they've been up there for i don't know like four or five days
1: i used uh 3m strips i cut them up into smaller pieces and just stuck squares to the corners
0: oh uh, okay okay
1: it's doing fine i can see gaps in the uh in between some of them and it drives me insane, but uh, otherwise it's, uh, it, it works.
0: There you go. So well, anyway, tune into HomeKit Insider. I talk more about kind of the home stuff. Got some motion blinds, HomeKit blinds. Those are a lot of fun. So anyway, tune into that Lincoln in show notes to HomeKit Insider. So a few five-star review shout outs real quick at the top of the show. Jay Jack from USA. Andrew from Alabama. He actually had a question about remoting into a Mac without VNC. We'll talk about that in a second. It's a good question. Mimoench from Germany. Sam Goody from Brooklyn, New York. It's actually where I was born. Brooklyn, New York. Very cool. Sam Goody also not like from the store, right? Isn't Sam Goody like a a store or something? But anyway, D Cornish 721 from USA and Fred from the UK. I'm sure he's friends with William. Thank you all for those five star ratings. And to that question Andrew had about, is there a way to remote monitor? He wants to be able to monitor his Mac, see like stats and vitals without VNCing. And if you're not familiar, you can use apps like screens or jump. To access your Mac remotely, but those actually share the entire screen and you basically control your Mac from wherever you are. He just wants to know, is there a way way to monitor his Mac without remoting in and seeing the screen? I'm not familiar with that. I'm going to do some research. And to all of you listeners out there, if you know of a way to monitor what's going on with your Mac without actually VNCing into it, tweet at us, tweet at Wes and I. I'd like to know if you have a method for that. But Wes, do you have anything like that? Not off the top of my
1: head. I mean, this has to exist. It sounds like a simple tool you could install that maybe even goes through like a command line or SSH or something, and uh, can send out this information. It just seems too obvious for it not to exist. Uh, I, I know iStat Menus is very popular and right. shows you a lot of data, but I don't know how you could get that information into the cloud or something. Maybe automations could help. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, and that, that's basically what Andrew is asking for: is iStat Menus, but be able to access that that data remotely. So so I'll put iStep menus as a link in the show notes, but listeners tweeted us. Let me know if you, that's something that you do, especially IT professionals out there. I'm sure there's some kind of remote monitoring for Macs. If you have like Mac mini set up as servers in your business or something. So anyway, let us know. I'd like to know that.
1: Steven, have you ever looked at iStep menus at like how hot your CPU is? No, I don't want to know. It, it's weird how hot they get. <laughs> yeah. um, mine is currently operating at 119 degrees, oh my which
0: is very cool
1: for a CPU. So,
0: right. I, I, some things, you know, ignorance is bliss. I try not to, look at my battery health too often. I don't wanna know how hot my CPU is. I'm gonna trust my Mac Studio fans to take care of it. It's interesting data, people people like seeing that, especially like RAM and how much is being used. You can also go to activity monitor for some of that, just built into the Mac, but that's in your utilities folder. But anyway, WWDC is right around the corner. We're basically, a week away. Is that right? About a week and a couple days away from the keynote on June 6th. The main keynote will be at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. And Apple sent out kind of its official schedule for Worldwide Developers Conference. A lot of them are still online sessions. Of course, that Monday on June 6th, you have the keynote. You have the State of the Union, which is at 5 p.m. Eastern. And they also have their design award ceremony, which is 8 p.m. Eastern on that same day. All those keynotes happening on Monday and then breakout sessions virtually the rest of the week. And this image that they sent in the email, it basically has like five Memoji faces. Apple's really been on the Memoji train when it comes to like WWDC and the invites and emails and all that. And I was trying to interpret these like five faces. Is one of them Craig Federighi? I'm not sure. I don't think so.
1: I'm fairly certain they're the Power Rangers.
0: Oh, wait, for real? No. Yeah. Okay. I didn't think... <laughs> It's been a while since I've been familiar with the Power Rangers, but.
1: No, but uh, I I shared this image of the uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie from like the 90s. And they had a similar silhouette with stacked colored heads, you know. Oh, okay. It was h- hilarious and anyone who is who grew up a Power Rangers fan immediately saw this and said, "Oh, Power Rangers, but no, there there will not be any Power Rangers at this program." Yeah. I'm fairly certain.
0: I thought it would be interesting if they had like some new presenters at WWDC for the keynote and they kind of made these memojis those new presenters, but I don't know. We'll have to see. we'll have to wait and see if that actually pans out.
1: Apple has a lot of fun. Um, some people are calling out that these look like more detailed than existing emojis. And mm. the fact that they are a side profile is interesting. I don't think you can oh, technically get a side profile right now. Because uh, once you turn your head away, Face ID's like, mm. whoops. <laughs> and uh, that's about it. If you're in a virtual reality uh, scenario, you're going to see a lot of sides of heads. So oh, okay. um, I believe Apple could introduce like full body emoji replacement technology or some nonsense like we're using the lidar scanner we can replace someone's body we you would never do this but uh hint hint wink wink it's for a vr headset we're not going to tell you about so
0: right okay that, that's some tea leave reading but i can see it i can see that there's some details in that hair from the side profile but june 6th that main keynote we do a recap podcast every time there's an apple event so stay tuned that afternoon on june 6th and i'm gonna try and get an episode out as soon as possible going over all the big announcements. There's a lot of rumors that we're going to see hardware at this WWDC. The Apple Silicon Mac Pro is still floating out there. Should be announced sometime this year. WWDC seems like a prime opportunity. Not sure if we'll get a new display. We're going to talk about the Studio Display Pro that's rumored for later this year, but should be seeing some kind of hardware at WWDC. So June 6th, stay tuned. Recap podcast will be coming out that afternoon. So Apple Wallet ID we've talked about before. It's the digital ID or driver's license that you can use Basically, only for a TSA if you're at an airport to go through that checkpoint. It's only been available in a handful of states. There's one new addition, which is Maryland. Maryland residents can now put their driver's license or ID in the wallet app, but that's it. I mean, that's the only update. I've been waiting for Florida, who has a whole website that talks about their digital ID. That website's been out for months and months, and I've emailed them multiple times and just nothing. So this is rolling out very slowly, and unless you're flying, I don't know what the use case is. What do you think, Wes?
1: Well, a lot of a lot of things have to change for this to become a form of ID that's going to be accepted anywhere. And a lot of state legislators are saying that they're all in for the digital future, but that could mean a decade um, before any of this really gets implemented. Because we've discussed this before, but it's it's a just a top level problem of not only do the IDs have to become ubiquitous across iPhone and Android because uh, they're both large portions of the United States user base. Even after everyone can do this feasibly in in the country, each state will have to adopt laws allowing it to become a legal form of ID for performing other functions Hmm. and likely It's not going to just be one sweeping bill. They're going to have to release multiple bills specific for buying alcohol, for proof of identity during certain situations like traffic stops. Uh, Police are going to have to buy and adopt new technologies for NFC scanning and getting this information off of the phone because taking the device from the car is not not tenable. Uh, I don't think anyone would want that. And if that is the case, then uh, no one's going to use it. So it's just... A lot of stepping stones. This is just the beginning of it. And I wouldn't, you know, hold my breath. About the time the Apple car releases, this will be a <laughs> no. form of ID you can use.
0: I think this will be a little well, I don't know.
1: Yeah, you might be right. Twenty twenty twenty-eight, twenty thirty time frame.
0: I actually had a reporter reach out to me. I think it was she's from Arizona or something, or one of the states that has the digital ID that was launching. And I had to explain too, people don't understand. This is not like your ID is visible on the screen of your iPhone and you're literally showing your phone screen to a TSA agent or other person. It is an NFC transfer of confirmation of ID. A
1: terminal interaction. They never touch your phone. They never even see your phone technically.
0: Right. And so for this to be accepted in places like to buy alcohol, that store, that establishment has to have a piece of hardware that will actually scan the NFC of your phone to Confirm your identification.
1: And there's a handshake taking place. This isn't a simple passover of information. Right. The phone has to determine what information to give up because it's not going to give up all of your identity every time you tap the phone. It's not going to hand over like a social security number or something uh, when you buy a beer from the store or something. Um, right. Yeah. It's just again like more advanced even than just oh all the registers that accept Apple Pay should be able to do this. No. They'll need a secure type of communication and there will have to be a method for it communicating back with the device.
0: Now, what would be interesting is we're gonna talk about this in a second too, but tap to pay, which is where you can actually accept payments via NFC phone to phone directly. That has now actually started happening in Apple stores. Some Apple stores in the US, you can actually pay for something and the Apple store employee will just have a phone and you literally just tap that. They won't need that huge... NFC scanner thing that's kind of slapped onto the back of a device like they used to have. It would be very interesting if tap to pay could also be used in a like tap to ID, where rather than have to have some kind of separate piece of hardware to do that digital handshake, you could do it from another Apple device. Let's say there is a iPad, which I don't know, I don't think they have NFC right now, but an iPad type device or an iPhone where the TSA agent has a device and they can literally just tap kind of device to device and confirm the ID that way. I feel like that would speed up the rollout, but we've not heard of anything like that, and I'm not sure if that's even feasible, so.
1: Yeah, again, this just, it turns into too many questions. Basically, you're going to be carrying a physical ID on you or at least in your vehicle for the foreseeable future because even if your local bar and police precinct accept this form of ID, you travel five miles away and suddenly you need a a physical ID and you get pulled over and they're like, what the heck are you talking about? A phone ID that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah, they can't do anything with that. So it's just one of those things where until we get something a little bit more specific like a proclamation from the president or something like if that's the only way you're going to know this works everywhere for sure and i don't think that's going to happen so i don't think
0: so and speaking of the wallet app the itunes pass which used to be kind of a, a gift card type thing that you could have in the wallet app is now officially changed names to the apple account card And so just kind of removing that iTunes naming convention from across everything, basically, you see iTunes less and less. And so now it's just Apple account card using it to buy things like in the App Store and Apple Music and stuff like that. And I had the question, is that the last place we might see the word or the name iTunes? And then I was having to do stuff this past week and it's like, no, iTunes Connect (laughs) is still alive and well if you have to do anything related to like app store podcast book sales stuff like that itunes connect is is probably going to be there forever so.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless they call it Apple Connect and that doesn't make any sense. They they could change the name of that at some point. But yeah, Windows is still uh, hanging off the side here with iTunes. Right. Um, Apple, there was some hints of uh, Apple splitting that up into like, you know, their five different media apps or whatever and putting it on the Windows Store. But that just has never come to fruition. Yeah. But I, I could see that happening at some point. It's just one of those odd legacy names where you, you wonder, does iTunes disappear? Because it is still on your phone. I mean, I don't know how often you guys check but if you haven't used it in a while it might have deleted itself but it is still there um, if you need to make a media purchase or buy a ringtone yeah, because that server. still exists
0: yeah it's still there there it is
1: and uh the apple tv app lets you buy things technically
0: but as an iTunes purchase
1: basically rerouting you through the iTunes store when you do that in the back end yeah. so it's not actually its own storefront not yet anyway so that's true slow and steady
0: yeah I will say Apple Podcasts when you're managing your stuff in their dashboard it's called Podcasts Connect Apple Podcasts Connect is the platform name the URL is podcastconnect.apple.com I could see it changing to like Music Connect or Books Connect tv connect i don't know i guess it could be but that that name isn't going it's not going away anytime
1: soon. It, it, it's just amusing to me what nerds get hung up on like i'm definitely like the kind of person who likes efficiency and uniformity across these things so and apple is that company but at the same time we're talking about you know turning something this uh a boat the size of Texas at this point, like it's a lot of changes need to change happen across a lot of things before we can just throw away a name like iTunes. It's, it's embedded in everything. So
0: yes, very true. This episode is brought to you by super beats heart chews from human. So listen, I love caffeine. I try to fix many things with caffeine, especially my energy and endurance, but you can't fix everything with more caffeine and it's not great for you. So here's a new way to start your day. Super Beats Heart Shoes. They're a tasty treat. They look like little starbursts, little squares, and they give you the energy you need and they're good for you. So no more afternoon coffees and energy drinks and candies to pick you up. You get two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Shoes. Add them to your morning routine. and promotes heart-healthy energy throughout your day without that caffeine crash. And because Super Beats Heart Shoes are unique, clinically researched grapeseed extract, promote heart-healthy energy, and they even normalize blood pressure as part of a healthy lifestyle. I've actually been having the Super Beats Heart Shoes for a while now, and I do find they give me that energy I don't feel ugh at the, you know, several hours later like you would with some kind of like a sugar or caffeine high, and I love taking them knowing they're also good for my heart. So do more for your heart and treat yourself with Superbeats Heart Chews. And for Apple Insider listeners only, you can get up to 45% off. That's almost half. Plus free shipping at Superbeats.com slash AppleInsider. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's superbeats like Superman, but Super Beats. B-E-E-T-S, Superbeats.com slash Apple Insider, up to 45% off at Superbeats.com slash AppleInsider. Our thanks to Superbeats for sponsoring this episode and our friends at New Relic. Listen, if you're a software engineer, you've been there. It's 9 p.m., it's late at night, you're finally unwinding from work, and then your phone buzzes with an alert. Something's broken, something's wrong. Your mind is racing. Could it be the back end or the front end? Is it a server or the network? Maybe you introduced a bug by accident in your last deployment. Now the whole team's scrambling from tool to tool and messaging person after person to fix the issue. Well, that won't happen when you have New Relic. New Relic combines 16 different monitoring products that you'd normally buy separately, so engineering teams can see across the entire software stack in one place. You can pinpoint issues down to the line of code and know exactly why the problem happened. That's why the developers and operations teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies, they already use New Relic to debug and improve their software. So whether you run a cloud-native startup or a Fortune 500 company, Takes five minutes to set up New Relic in your environment, so the next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen. Get New Relic before it does, and you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data free forever, no credit card required. Just sign up at newrelic.com/appleinsider. That's n-e-w-r-e-l-i-c.com/appleinsider. Newrelic.com/appleinsider. Our thanks to New Relic for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so just wanted to touch on this. There was actually an FCC filing from Apple that mentions a new network adapter. It's kind of an unnamed piece of hardware. Supposedly might have a USB-A port, a USB-C connector antenna. We're not really sure what this means, but a lot of people were like, maybe it's a new airport. Apple filed this thing in preparation for a new Wi-Fi router device, mesh Wi-Fi. And listen, my, my hopes get up just like everybody else. I would still like to see Apple do Wi-Fi routers. We've talked about it before on the show, but they really have an opportunity now to make a wireless router that is all-encompassing with thread and private relay And all the iCloud plus things built into a Wi-Fi router where it can say your traffic is secure and private. It can make all the cable companies mad because they can't see as much data as they could before. Like there's a great opportunity there, but I still think the likelihood of Apple getting back into the Wi-Fi router business is pretty low. What do you think, Wes?
1: Well, first of all, this isn't a consumer facing product. I'm fairly certain this is uh, a device they stick under a table at the Apple store that communicates Uh, wirelessly with with their ecosystem of, I wouldn't expect this to ever make it to us this is kind of like that weird um apple watch dock that they have internally mm-hmm. that's what like like an eight thousand megahertz signal or some nonsense um yeah this this is nothing I, interesting cool that they're out here playing around with networking stuff i guess but again this is uh internal to apple apple stores that type of stuff i'm i don't think this will ever show the light of day on our end i would love a apple router ecosystem and mm. a lot more dedication from apple but i don't see that happening
0: I will say, since coming to this new house, I had the Linksys VELOP system before, which I think you have the Linksys VELOP also. Loved that system. You know, they even have the Wi-Fi 6E versions, I think, that are available now, or at least coming soon, if you want to get the cutting edge. But here in the new house, I had wired it for Ethernet before drywall went up. And so I did the Ubiquity Unify system, and I have two of their Wi-Fi 6 long range routers in two parts of the house they have power over ethernet so i don't even have to have like an electrical plug nearby it's literally the ethernet cable that powers it and brings the internet and so those are mounted in the ceiling in two rooms and those go to a closet where i have a ubiquity dream machine special edition which is this rack mounted device you don't have to rack mount it but i put it in a little rack and it does the power over ethernet all built in it's got eight ports so i have different like smart home hubs and different devices into those ports and that's powering everything and i have to say for a new construction type situation for a house or a business obviously it's more commercial related you know you see more businesses using the ubiquity stuff but man i really love it it has great speeds all my devices i have you know no issue connecting to wi-fi it's covering a large area and those ethernet ports on the dream machine I have coming directly to my office, going directly to Apple TVs that are on, on different televisions and home theater stuff. And it's been working great. So I know that a lot of people use the Ubiquiti stuff in the home as well. People were tweeting at me as we were building and uh, it's been, I've had a great experience. So if you're doing some kind of new home construction and you want not hidden away, but you want kind of low profile and low intrusive Wi-Fi device type setups, the uh, Ubiquiti stuff is nice. I'll just say that. Yeah, you
1: should definitely go wired anytime you can. Oh, yeah. I would like, to see more HomeKit routers. Uh, yes. I would like to see someone like Ubiquity offer a, hey, here's a router that's HomeKit, but also um, we recommend using it as a wired system because these mesh networks are interesting. I like the technology, but I also think it's kind of a, a stopgap of you don't want to run wires or you're like in a large apartment or... You're renting and you can't drill holes and run wire and such. So here's these nodes that your devices can communicate with. But here's the problem, especially for Apple products they are known for this. They'd like to hold on to whatever node that they're sitting on. So if you move away from a node and that signal gets weaker, the iPhone's like, no, I'm not going to give this up. (laughs) And then you need node switching, but then that turns into chaos too, because then you're relying on the router to make networking decisions. And, um, maybe the signal drops for a second and then you switch nodes to a weaker system. It's just, it's a mess. And uh, wired's obviously going to be the more efficient way to handle things, but you're, you know, you're never going to have a wired connection to your iPhone. So you need a good, uh, wireless network as well. It's just, once you get two or three nodes up in the air, they all start getting that cross chatter and, uh, your devices have a little bit of a harder time trying to figure out where they should be and how, how they should be there. And that's getting better over time. But again, it's a mess. And there's a reason why like businesses use these complex wired systems. Yes. When you're there and you go to work, it's not great because your network connection slow because there's 8,000 employees yes. connected to the same network, trying to do, uh, this, you know, same stuff all day. But when you're at home and it's just maybe five of you, you're, you're never going to see an issue. So don't let your office experience ruin it for you. Uh, These types of networks are pretty cool. And honestly, I would probably do the same if I was building a house.
0: All right. So iPhone 14, we don't have any new rumors, but I'll just reiterate some of the things that we might be getting is an upgraded front-facing camera on the iPhone 14 this fall, maybe just the pro model getting autofocus on the front-facing camera, and always on display is looking like it is likely for this fall. Ross Young on Twitter, he's at DSCC Ross. He's a display analyst. He has a pretty high track record for leaks. He was actually on the Genius Bar podcast with John Prosser and Sam Cole. I'd never heard him speak or make any kind of appearance before, so it was interesting to actually hear from him directly on that podcast. He's been in the display business for like decades, like since the 90s. He's been doing displays back then for computers and stuff. Now he's display analyst for, again, all kinds of things. But he actually said in a tweet that he can't confirm, but he is expecting an always on display for the iPhone 14 Pro models, much like the Apple Watch always on display because it's an OLED, you know, it can only illuminate certain parts of the screen, save a lot of battery that way. Then when you pick it up, that's when the full screen turns on, like on the Apple Watch. So that also might be coming to the iPhone 14 lineup. This is something where I think I would appreciate it. And I've seen like Android phones, like some of the even older Pixel devices have had always on displays and you can see little notification icons and you could say, oh, I have a text message, I have an email, maybe you missed the actual notification. You can just glance at the screen and see that. I could also see like focus mode status being something that's shown on an always on display. So you can just glance and say, oh, I'm in a focus mode or whatever it may be. So I think I'm in favor of it as long as battery life doesn't take a huge hit, which again, I imagine with the OLED technology and how well Apple's been doing with batteries, especially in the phone in the 13 lineup, I could see always on being one of those new features for this year. And I think I would find it useful. What do you think, Wes?
1: Well, it's inevitable. The technology for this to exist is already in the iPhone uh, 13. It's just the range of uh, refresh doesn't go low enough for them to implement it yet, not in a power efficient way. Right. Uh, Cause the iPhone only drops to 10 Hertz. The Apple watch drops all the way to one hertz when it's uh, in that low power, always on mode. Right. And Apple's been improving this technology. They, they introduced that feature where apps can actually detect what state the display is in, if it's in the always on motor in the full display mode and can trigger exactly how information is shown and the iPhone I'm sure it would take advantage of this as well so it wouldn't be a hit to uh, battery life it wouldn't be a noticeable one anyway if there was any neglect uh, negative effect, just because again, this isn't really doing that much. You're showing a piece of information that re- that could literally refresh once every minute if they wanted to. Right. It's just interesting to see how how they're going to implement this technology. One you know, one hurt refresh rate that's once a second. It's uh fine. I I don't see it doing anything too crazy to the battery and Apple's already tackled issues with, um, burn-in. So this isn't going to be a burn-in issue. I mean, the Apple watch is OLED, right? So that's obviously taken care of as well. So I would really like to see Apple implement widgets and such on the lock screen so that Mm. this could be better taken advantage of. Uh, I don't know. About utility, though, if you own an Apple Watch, uh, this kind of information's already on hand. So this would definitely be a boon for people who don't have an Apple Watch. Maybe you get those kinds of complications on the screen. It's just, again, how much at-the-ready information do you need um, at all times? Maybe because the iPhone display is bigger, you get more and more quality information over time, like uh, rain alerts or now playing music widgets and stuff
0: like that. Yeah, I mean, the Apple Watch has some information like in the complications and such, but you do have to swipe down to see like recent notifications. Like if you wanna read a text message or at least see who texted you, you do have to swipe down to see that information. Like when you glance down at the watch, it's mostly just the face, unless you actually raised your wrist exactly when the notification came in. So I could see the iPhone displaying a little bit more information That would make it worthwhile to see at a glance. Again, depending, the more information you put on it, the more battery life you're going to affect because it's illuminating more pixels, but it's probably negligible
1: well right like it, it would be able to be smart like if it's in your pocket it's not going to have anything on the display because this the light sensor is covered so it would know to just remain off mm. stuff like that would make sense so like on your desk or on a charger it could uh, be smart like nightstand mode for the watch the, the phone could be display certain things like charge level if it's on a magsafe charger there's a lot of intelligence here they can take advantage of i just again like the utility of it i just wonder if it's really there and there's also more privacy implications for the phone because the watch is on your wrist nothing's is going to show up until you raise it and look at it. But for the phone, If it's just gonna passively show notifications, how does it show that? Is it just gonna show a messages icon with a notification bubble? Because even showing who is texting you might be a question of privacy and some people may not want that and there would be a toggle for it and whatnot. But it's just, again, how the information is shown would have to be different than on the watch.
0: Yeah, and I could see another toggle being added. Like right now, I only have show preview of a text message or email once the phone is unlocked which I see a lot of people that just show the full message or at least whatever preview will fit on the lock screen, even when the screen is locked. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, no, thank you. Like, no, I, I don't want that, but I can see them adding, like you said, another toggle to say in the always on display, just show me who texted, but no preview, you know, if I tap the screen, but I will say like when my phone's just sitting on the desk right here, as I'm working, I do find myself just kind of tapping the screen fairly often, even if it's just to see the time, which the time is on my Mac as well. But I think just in my mind, I think to tap my phone screen, cause I see the time and I'll see if any time sensitive notifications has come in since the last time I tapped it. And so if I just didn't have to tap it anymore, I could just look down and see that information at a glance. I think that would be pretty useful. And then again, if you can customize the things that are seen there, I'd be down for it. I think I'd like an always on display.
1: So Steven, what is your lock screen settings like what can you access with when your phone is currently locked like i don't allow anything basically uh you can't get to my control center you can't get to my uh, widgets tab the today view is what it's called right do you have any of that turned on or off
0: where because i know these are settings somewhere
1: it's in the face id settings i believe
0: Face ID. yeah so if you go to the settings app on your iphone you go to face id and passcode You can go down and say, allow access when locked. And you can toggle all of these on or off. You got today view and search, notification center, control center, Siri, reply with message. You can have like automated messages, home control, wallet, return missed calls, and USB accessories. So right now I have Siri and home control turned on
1: see i have only siri turned on because i know that with siri even if i say unlock the front door it will ask for a face id confirmation
0: right which i don't even know what home control i could do without acting siri first from the lock screen because i like my control center is disabled when the phone is locked so right i don't even know what home control means
1: i wonder if that's the If that might be the setting, like if you ask Siri right now, if you ask Siri to turn your lights on, it might work because you have the home control toggle on. But if the home control toggle is off, it wouldn't allow even your lights to be controlled, right? But then something like a sensitive, as sensitive as a lock would always require face ID. That's my assumption. We'd have to test that.
0: Well, I just tried to open the studio shades that I'm in right now. And it says you need to unlock your iPhone first. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I suppose this is doing. Again,
1: maybe it's just a combination of toggles. Maybe if you have the, let me try it. Control center as a accessible thing. Oh, unlock iPhone to view home and accessories. Okay. So it's a pair. You have to have control center and home control enabled for that to work with the phone lock. So that's interesting. Well,
0: then I'll just take off home control. So yeah, mine is just Siri now. (laughs) I just did Siri. <laughs> uh, let us know, listeners, what do you what do you have on there in that? If you even knew about that menu, but now uh, what are you going to turn off from that menu so you can't access it when your phone is locked? All right, another rumor about the Studio Display Pro. This is, again, Ross Young. He says that a 27-inch mini-LED monitor has supposedly been delayed. And again, he knows about this stuff because he's a display analyst. He works with all these companies. It was supposed to possibly be a summer release. Maybe we were going to see this at WWDC but now it's been delayed, looks more like an October release. And this could be not a replacement for the Pro Display XDR, which is a 6K 32 inch display, I believe. This would actually be a higher end version of this studio display. So the current 27 inch display, but with mini LED, which would give you you better contrast, HDR, better HDR, possibly XDR quality. And I would imagine ProMotion much like the mini LED screen that you have on the 12.9 inch iPad and the new MacBook Pros. And so this would, I imagine, sit between the studio display at 1500 and the Pro Display XDR at 5000 Like this would might be in that three $3,000. $3,000. Yeah. Three,
1: at, like there is no way, just remembering how people reacted to the studio display and still possibly react to just that price of $1,500 is just, it's insane to some people that Apple could charge that much money for a, you know, 27 inch 5k display. Yeah. There's no way this thing comes in at like $2,000, especially no. when we're talking about mini led technology, possible, uh, promotion refresh. I mean, yeah. in that
0: big of a panel, yeah, no way th-
1: this is going to be, think of it more as mini pro display XDR, not bigger studio display. There's, you know, there, that would almost leave room for a new new display option at the two thousand dollar value at like thirty inches for the studio display pro or something.
0: But I also can't see this product launching without an update to the Pro Display XDR. That includes something like promotion.
1: Honestly, this might just be the next Pro Display XDR. I mean, like, look at the technology differences here. Uh, yeah, this would be better than the Pro Display XDR in almost every metric. I mean, the only thing we don't know about is color calibration. Like, is it as good as a monitor? Uh, what what a reference monitor? And we're not going to know that until Apple announces it. So. This could just be the Pro Display XDR 2 and be $5,000. We don't have this information.
0: Yeah, I guess I could imagine a world, too, where the Pro Display XDR does not have ProMotion because that's not something that reference monitor people need or want. I mean, even right now, you can get displays that are both ProMotion and XDR, like I said, in the iPad Pro and in the MacBook Pro. And the XDR is still just sitting out there. You know, it's really on brightness and the XDR quality, reference quality monitor. So,
1: yeah. It's interesting because Apple, they're now back in the monitor business, they officially sell two whole monitors. Great. It's just a question of what's next. Um, there's never, there's not going to be a cheaper one. 15, I think is going to be their base. I, I don't see Apple coming out with like a full HD or, uh, like retina 20 inch monitor or something like that. It's just, it's not the market anymore. That's just not how it, how it's done. Um, I would expect the studio display 27 inch. That's I mean that's going to be the monitor used in whatever new iMac we get, and uh, mm. even when that releases, that's that's where we're going to be is 27 inches. So I don't think there's anything in particular priming Apple for a bigger studio display, a bigger what you'd call like prosumer display. It just doesn't make sense to me because now we're because we would be talking about that two thousand dollar plus price range, a 32 inch uh, studio display with all the same specs, just bigger. Uh, would make sense at $2,000. And I could see Apple ultimately getting there. I just wouldn't expect promotion and mini LED at that price. And that's, you know, throw those in there and we're up at the four, three, $4,000 range. And it's no longer what I would call a studio display, not unless they called it the studio display pro, yeah. but why would you need another name when you already have the pro display XDR? So it just doesn't make any sense to me from a marketing standpoint where this fits in. It's not... A studio display because studio display doesn't have promotion it doesn't have many led it's not hdr mm. but the xdr is hdr it has has better tool sets here and it is the pro grade display versus the studio so just thinking of it from apple's perspective here it it doesn't make sense for there to be a super high-end monitor between these two it's one or the other at this point i I could like i said i could see a bigger studio display with the same specs but all of this extra tech it's no longer a studio display not in my book
0: Mm. well we'll see I, i feel like fall would be an interesting time i guess it could launch alongside new or updated apple silicon Macs, like the updated mac mini that we've seen talked about both hardware redesign and the m2 chip So, I don't know. We'll have to see. That might be coming this fall.
1: I would be very, very surprised if this is a fall product. I mean, again, if this is an updated Pro Display XDR, we haven't seen a Pro Display XDR since 2019 when they did the first Mac Pro Tower. This would probably release alongside a new Mac Pro, which we do expect this summer. So, um, if this exists and it's a fall-ish, winter timeframe, and we're going to get a preview of it, you know, maybe WWDC, maybe a, a hidden July event that we don't know about. Yeah, that's that would make sense. But if this is whatever fan wish uh, monitor studio display thing it is, that would I don't I don't see that till next year. So I, I wouldn't see this at least till spring of next year. Just given everything else crowded in the fall. Remember the rumors right now suggest that we're going to get like five Macs in the fall. And I don't, I don't believe that either. So and throw in another <laughs> monitor and that's $4,000. I mean, it's crazy.
0: Five Macs in the fall, you get updated MacBook air, updated Mac mini base model, MacBook pro, possibly new larger iMac and I mean another one just for kicks.
1: Yeah, a mythical twelve-inch MacBook
0: refresh. No, an Xserve, an Xserve. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a new Xserve running Apple Silicon. <laughs> anybody anybody out there use the old Xserve? Tweet at me. I want to know if you got a picture of it still. I want to see it. This episode is brought to you by our friends at OneMore that makes audiophile quality earbuds. They have true-to-life wireless sound that rivals wired audiophile headphones. That's right, OneMore makes earbuds with dual-driver, high-res, wireless audio certified. It's even LDAC compatible, and it's tuned by four-time Grammy winner. Listen, you have lots of options for headphones out there, but what's unique about the OneMore is not only its incredible sound quality, it's got low distortion, punchy bass, smooth mids, and vivid highs with dual drivers, but it also has QuietMax Intelligent Noise Cancelling Technology. You can get active noise canceling a lot of different places, but one more has multiple active noise canceling modes. It has strong, mild, and even adaptive noise canceling, and it has dual transparency modes, which sometimes transparency modes can be kind of weird on some headphones. These headphones have incredible dual transparency as pass-through and a specific voice enhancement transparency mode if you're trying to hear people speak to you. And that noise-canceling performance is certified by SGS Labs. It also has exceptional call quality with six mics and AI-powered DNN to mute ambient noise. You can also connect them to two devices and uses Bluetooth 5.2. You can get these one more earbuds right now there are links in the episode description when you can get 30 dollars off a brand new eva wireless earbud set with that adaptive noise cancellation buy it now by clicking the link in the podcast description so they know you came from us and you can go to one more.com the number one M-O-R-E.com. Our thanks to one more for sponsoring this episode and our friends at Fast Growing Trees. This is one of my favorite sponsors. I love Fast Growing Trees. Listen, spring and summer are the seasons for finally getting outdoors, entertaining other people, maybe pool parties and barbecues. And you want your yard to look nice. You want to have some beautiful foliage trees out there. Maybe even you want some plants that actually grow fruits and foods. Well, Fast Growing Trees can help with all of that. When it comes to caring for your plants, know-how matters. And so FastGrowingTrees.com's experts actually curate thousands of plant varieties that thrive in your specific climate. I actually live in Florida and making sure that a plant will survive in the Florida climate is very important. And when you go to buy something at FastGrowingTrees.com, you'll actually know that it works wherever you live. You'll know that it will thrive and grow where you live. Plus, there's no waiting in lines trying to get a plant from a local hardware store, you got to put that plant in your car, it's going to get dirt everywhere. Don't do that. Have it shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And their growing and care advice is available 24-7. Even if you've never had a green thumb, they'll make you feel like you do. One million home gardeners already have seen what fastgrowingtrees.com can do for them. I've gotten multiple plants from fastgrowingtrees, not just ones they've sent me. I've bought my own from there. I've gotten some persimmon trees. Those are cool. And I got a Carolina Reaper bush, which my son and I like to eat some hot stuff. And so we actually grew some Carolina Reaper peppers, plucked it right off the plant, put it in some fajitas. It was spicy. Don't get me wrong. It's it's hot. So you got to be able to handle it. But I love being able to get that pepper right off the plant in our yard. And me and my son got to eat it together after growing it together. It's awesome. Plus, with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, you can trust everything will be healthy for years to come. So go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider right now and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider. That link is also in the podcast description, fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider. Our thanks to Fast Growing Trees for sponsoring this episode. Before we talk about some HomePod stuff and my own experience with HomePods in the new house, apparently Apple is raising the wages for both their retail employees and salaried employees. Bloomberg had the story, Mark Gurman tweeted it out. Typically, raises happen in the fall for Apple employees, but they're moving that up to July. The minimum wage for Apple employees is going to be $22 an hour. That's going to vary depending on the state and location of those workers. And again, this comes right alongside This talk of the unions forming in different Apple retail stores, and also a leaked video of Senior Vice President of Retail and Human Resources, a video of Deirdre O'Brien actually was discouraging the formation of unions, not directly. She said, it is your right to join a union. It is equally your right not to join a union. And she said, if you're faced with that decision, I want to encourage you to consult a wide range of people and sources to make sure you understand what it could mean to work at Apple under a collective bargaining agreement. So kind of discouraging the formation of unions, this raise coinciding with that, hopefully to probably squelch this uprising of all that. I know William Gallagher had some thoughts on it last week about it, but nice to hear that Apple is raising the wage across their retail and salaried employees But curious how this union thing is still going to flesh out in the next couple of weeks.
1: Unions, I don't really have much of an opinion. It's just if only because I've never existed in a business that would have a union. I mean, I was in the military. I worked at McDonald's before that. Not really uh, places bustling for for it Uh, my understanding is is what it's a it's a company or group that is able to negotiate a deal for your workforce that acts as an intermediary between you the worker and the business the big the big guy right apple over here is like you know you don't have to talk you don't need an intermediary we're open for discussion already i think the workers should do what they think is best for them um i I guess i'm kind of with apple's stance on this is if you're going to join a union go for it i don't see them as an issue you know this isn't I've seen a lot of articles going around as like, this is an Apple's union busting policy. And I'm just like, I don't think they're taking that severe of a stance on this. It just seems they're kind of shrugging, saying, we're already talking to you guys, and here here's a raise. Uh, if you think you weren't getting paid enough, obviously, I guess it's in Apple's best interest to make sure a union isn't formed, because they don't want to deal with an intermediary as a business. That makes sense. Yeah. But uh, from the worker's point of view, I guess you have to gauge, what do you really gain from this? I mean, mm-hmm. do, are you lacking in benefits? My understanding is, is Apple's one of the best workforces um, out there. And yes, there are issues, and I've, I've read the complaints the Apple II movement and the, right. uh, you know, I've read a lot of the complaints there and there's, there's a lot of issues. I just wonder how a union helps with some of this stuff. And, um, you know, I I'm interested in seeing how this moves forward again. I don't really, I'm not really taking a side one way or the other. I'm just curious as to what the final result is and if they're going to get what they want out of the situation.
0: All right. Well, I want to close with a discussion on HomePod because there are some increased rumors. Ming-Chi Kuo was tweeting that an updated HomePod could be coming later this year, 2022 in the fall. And then we've heard lots of rumors about a HomePod with a screen coming out and all this kind of stuff. And so here's my thoughts. You know, I've moved into a new house. We're we're here now. I'm recording the new studio. I set up all my old HomePods. I got some big HomePods. got the HomePod minis. Also bought some new ones. I got some white HomePod minis. It was the first time I ever got white, and there's been lots of varying opinions on the the white versus space gray HomePod color choices. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts in a moment on that, Wes. My initial thoughts is, number one, man, I still wish Apple made a larger, higher-end HomePod because setting up a pair of large HomePods and hearing how they sound, the minis still do not compare. I love the big HomePods. Some of the rumors about HomePods could be that there would be a type of Apple TV HomePod device, maybe like a soundbar, which I actually have several Sonos soundbars that I got for the new house. I have a Sonos Arc and a Sonos Beam. And when I set those up, one, they sound great. Two, I would love for that have been an Apple device because in rooms where I have those set up, they're already AirPlay 2 speakers. I can use Control Center to send music or podcast to them, but they don't have Siri built in. And so, for our master bedroom, I put a Sonos beam, mounted it under the TV using the Sanus mount, where I don't even have to like hang it on the wall. It literally just hangs underneath the TV securely to the TV mount. I I love the setup. It looks great, sounds great. But because it doesn't have Siri, Sonos is developing its own voice assistant, which we talked about on HomeKit Insider. I actually had to get a HomePod Mini for that room so I could do Siri commands. Yes, you can do Siri commands to your iPhone or iPad or even Apple Watch, but I find having a HomePod Mini be able to take those Siri requests and do those commands is just a better experience overall. I would have loved for the Sonos speaker to have Siri built in like my Ecobee thermostat. That has Siri built in and it works great. I do all the Siri commands through there. I run shortcuts. It's awesome, but Sonos speakers didn't have it. So if Apple had made a type of home theater soundbar, I would have used that and that would have been ideal. So I love That rumor, I hope that thing would come true. And I also think the screened HomePod is another good option. I'm here in my studio right now. Looking, I have a one big HomePod in here because I kind of had one left over as I was setting them all up around the house. I would love for that to have a screen where I can run some home scenes like when I'm filming in the studio or recording a podcast, just tap a button and set the scene right there or have other various controls like music and podcasts have it right there on the screen. And so I feel like I would love either of those devices. But if Apple were to make anything again and and Ming-Ching Quo was not like, super detailed about what might be coming. It was very vague. It was just that HomePod in fourth quarter 2022 or first quarter 2023. It could be just an update to the HomePod mini, which might just be the same hardware with some new features, faster processor. But I am hoping that it is another large HomePod because I miss it. I would have gotten those for a couple of rooms. And if they had made some kind of soundbar alternative, I would have loved that too and put that under my TV instead of some of the Sonos speakers. So anyway, I don't know, Wes, aside from the, the color conversation which we can have in a minute, what do you think about some of these rumors? Is there a HomePod that you are hoping Apple makes this year?
1: Well, I would love to see um, Apple just supplant Sonos entirely here. Want to move away from Sonos in the future? You know, get a HomeKit-enabled receiver and wire some speakers up and run it, you know, hide, it, hide the wires or whatever, what have you. Just because Sonos was a promising product when I bought it in, uh, what, 2016 was when, uh, they were really hitting their stride. And I have their first set of, uh, Sonos speakers for the home theater with the subwoofer and everything. And that's great. And like, it's an amazing system. It sounds awesome. And I, I I've thought about upgrading to that most system, but, um, I'm just thinking maybe I don't want to lock myself into yet another proprietary brand and, uh, them ignoring, uh, Apple's giving them the ability to use Siri is a turn off as well as like them embracing Alexa it's a, it's a, it's just another you know product like Eero that I moved away from just again because they're going with the other technology brands that I'm not invested in so I'm just going to look to a different brand uh, that's following more of the Apple philosophy of things. And uh, so I would love to see Apple um, disrupt this space. I, they could easily just release a sound bar with uh, the Apple TV in it, because guess what? The HomePod already runs tvOS. Right. Um, it is the same build number. It is tvOS identical. So just give me a HomePod with a HDMI out uh, ARC <laughs> port. And there you go. <laughs> that would be cool to have that. Throw a couple HomePod minis as satellite speakers behind me and even just a home pod sub as stupid as that would be like, just give me a subwoofer that can connect to it somehow replace that whole system. Yes. It would probably be like $3,000 because Sonos's home theater system runs about $2,100 when you get everything you need. So Apple's version of this would be more expensive. I am aware of that, but I just think that Apple could really do a lot in this space. Now more realistically, they're just going to release another speaker. This is going to be whatever it is, uh, Yes, I think the HomePod mini is due for an update, but it's a mini to nothing, right? So it needs a partner. So we're going to get a upscaled HomePod mini. It's not going to be the original HomePod. It'll be the more basic, it's just a speaker. It can be in a stereo pair HomePod, but with larger drivers, better sound, better bass. The reason why... if you know, listeners, I'm sure you you remember this. The reason why the original HomePod was so expensive is because they had like, what, 12 microphones doing room listening. And if you moved the HomePod half an inch to the left, it would recalibrate instantly on where it was placed in the room. I don't think that's as necessary, or maybe it's easier to do these days and it's less expensive. Who knows? But um, whatever Apple does here, I could see a $200 you know HomePod larger speaker that is able to replace and hopefully be as good as the original sound for a lower price and maybe maybe a little less over-engineered overall. Yeah. That, that, that could come out this fall.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm hopeful, you know, with the Google I.O. announcements, one of the things they did is the Google Nest Hub Max, which is their speaker screen combination, it has things where it will recognize your face, kind of do like a face ID type thing. It's not exactly that, but and it will do things based on who is looking at it. I mean, it would be amazing because Apple TV has multi-user access. You can have multiple profiles on there. The HomePods actually kind of has multi-user access as well because it will recognize your voice and it will do things based on who is talking to it. To have that kind of ultimate kitchen or living room device where when you walk up to it, it can do kind of a face ID type scan. I don't think this, this is happening this year, but it would be awesome if you could do that kind of face ID scan It can tell the user this already happens with HomeKit secure video doorbells like my Logitech circle view. It can recognize who's standing there because it uses the photos, my photo library and facial recognition that I've labeled there. It could do it on this like HomePod with screen. It could say, oh, this is Steven. Here are the favorite home scenes. Here's his latest music. Here's the podcast he was just listening to. Or even here's this like show that he was watching that maybe you want to put on as you're cooking and maybe also have kind of those recipe app type things where you can view recipes on the screen. Like I, I think that would be an incredible device. Again, it's a little more niche. It's really for the kitchen and maybe for an office specifically, but man, I think Apple has those technologies kind of underlying several of their products right now. I think it could be a, a killer device.
1: Oh yeah. I, I would definitely buy a home pod with a screen. Um, I would put one in my kitchen, possibly one in my living room, just as a, a kind of a central brain to the house. Like we really do need a this is the king home device, you know, and Apple really hasn't made a real solid commitment to a home or home kit in a while. Um I mean yes, the home hubs exist, but there's just no real central um control mechanism other than the home app and that thing needs a lot of work. So uh I'm I'm hopeful here Apple could do a lot of cool things. I I expect, you know, again, it's just going to be another speaker, yeah. and and that's fine for now. But I just really hope, maybe even at WWDC, this being the year where we get Matter releasing at the same time as iOS 16, so um, this should be the year where we see a lot of uh, new categories for home devices. Uh, maybe better integrations with certain things. Um, maybe even Apple could just pass this over to somebody else and say, "If you want to make a display that controls HomeKit devices, go for it." Uh, there's a lot of ways Apple could do this without necessarily building a $500 HomePod with a screen. Um, yeah, because I mean, who's going to really buy that other than me? Uh, me I will. You I will know, buy the people who follow <laughs> Apple, <Insider. laughs> the people who
0: listen to this podcast, yeah.
1: Yeah. Like it's, it's a, uh, it's one of those things where there is an audience Yeah, well, and, yeah. Uh, and Apple, Apple's always been the company. They, they've never said, let's build it because we're going to sell billions of it. it. You know, let's build it because we can be the best at it. And, um, I really hope that they, you know, take that stance here.
0: They make AirPods max. I mean, those are not, you know, widely right. pervasive devices, but it's niche and people like it. I also think because Amazon, you know, Amazon has the Echo Show. Google has the Nest Hub Max. I mean, there are already products like this by their competitors. I think it would make sense to be in right.
1: the space. Yeah. And, and giving Siri a screen, a home and a screen to live in, that's really just a Siri based system. I think it would push that system forward as well. Um, it, it needs to be more intelligent. It needs to learn like um, having a central Siri database for your home, for your for your Apple family of six people imagine if Siri learned from your faces database and you were able to click a toggle saying, share my faces database with other family members. Mm. And when they took a photo, it would automatically recognize your child or your parent or your friend um, and label it for you. Uh, stuff like that could be really good and done tastefully with privacy in mind and such like that, like giving users access to that kind of control. Cause right now a lot of these systems are completely separate. Like imagine a family contacts database and I think a Siri, uh, having a central home hub Siri intelligence system where the family was able to interact with all of their media at once, uh, would be the beginning of something like that. Just bringing that, all that information into one place.
0: Yeah, and that's something with the facial recognition. I'm looking at my Logitech Circle View doorbell menu right now. And when you turn on face recognition, it tells you what photo libraries are being used for that recognition. So I could see Steven Robles's library, I could see my wife's library. And then there's other like known to household shared things. And then there's even like this recent list and it'll show you all these different faces that it has seen. And you could say, who was that? Or I don't recognize this person. So yeah, I think uh, that shared thing could, could definitely work. The last thing real quick before we close, Space Gray versus White Home Pods. Yes, you have navy blue and orange as well, but... Andrew and I, we're going to talk about this on the HomeKit Insider coming out Monday. I had only ever gone with space gray HomePods, and they were fine. They get a little dusty because they're, they're you know, the dark shows the, the dust on it. I got my first white HomePod minis just yesterday as we record, and they look great. I love the look of the white ones. And then Andrew showed me an old white large HomePod that he got from somebody supposedly nothing had ever been spilled on it. And that thing looks gross. Like it is stains and it is not good. So clean it with some carpet cleaner. Yeah. But uh, I mean, Wes, what do you go with whenever you get a color? I imagine you go all space gray. Is that right?
1: Right. I mean, um, I would get some colored home pods, but again, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm maxed out on home pods right now. I'm waiting for one to catch on fire or something. Um, <laughs> it's just, I live in a, it's, it's a house, you know, it's not an apartment. It's got several rooms upstairs, downstairs type stuff. Um, but everywhere that I can have a HomePod feasibly has one. They're not all stereo pairs. So maybe I could go crazy and put a stereo pair in my bathroom or something, you know, that's like a three foot wide bathroom, but you know, why not? Uh, it's just one of those things where, um, if I bought one today, it would be Navy blue, um, or yellow just cause the colors are cool, but, um, I probably would never own white, uh, just, Maybe white would be cool in the bathroom, but again, now we have other color options. So I would probably go with those. I got my mom a white home pod just to differentiate it from my own. Um, set her up. She smokes, and uh, that thing is a different color now. Mm. And it's fine. Again, like it's just cloth. As long as you don't douse it or dunk it underwater, I'm sure you could probably spray a solvent on a rag and then wipe down the surface of it, and it would probably absorb that solvent and. and Become brighter. It's just um, white things never are quite the same after a while. Um, mm-hmm. There's no recovering that, and uh, because that thread isn't really dyed the same way. I don't think. I mean, space gray is definitely like a dyed thread. So the only thing you're going to deal with that there is dust. So I, I probably wouldn't go with white for anything myself.
0: Well, I got a white one. I put it in the kitchen, which is probably asking for it. There's probably going to be lots of splatter yeah, <laughs> and grease, yeah, smoke. So yeah, smoke from cooking. So. We'll see how it looks. So listeners, here's what I would like to see. Tweet at Wes and myself, and I'm going to regret this, but tweet at us your gross white HomePods. <laughs> if you have a, a large white home pod since they launched, and now you can attest that it looks gross, <laughs> send us a picture on Twitter. I would love to look at some of these and talk about them <laughs> on next week's show. Uh, I really, I don't know. I might regret this terribly, but I want to see them. Tweet, at them. tweet them at us. I'd like to see.
1: HomePod minis too. That's fine. I was just going to ask you about, do you use your HomePods for anything other than listening to like your brand or of popular music or your, you know, your family uses it to listen to their pop music or their kids music, right? Do you use it for anything else? Do you, do you have, ambient music playing in a room at all times. Are you one of those people? No. Or like do you do you walk into like a kitchen and there's a piano playing in the background at all times?
0: I never do ambient type stuff. I use
1: it like would you ever would you ever want to? Um is that weird? Like are you do you feel like you're like at Office Depot if you do that?
0: I did. So there's this artist called Alexis French. He's a pianist. He has a new album called Truth. It's really pretty like kind of background piano music. I mean it's just beautiful to listen to but I just, for the first time, put that in one of my scenes in Home, because you can actually start a HomePod playing a specific music album or playlist as part of a Home scene. And so I did that for my studio, where when I do the scene of I'm doing office work, that starts playing on the HomePod I have in here automatically. And I liked that. It was nice. But I don't have stuff playing just randomly. I mean, we use it for podcasts. Audiobooks. My wife uses it for that stuff too. And music, a lot of commands like home commands and shortcuts, but I don't have ambient music playing just like constantly.
1: See, I don't really do that either. Um, like when I'm working, I'll have, uh, there's a really excellent playlist on Apple music that they update every week called uh beat strumentals. <laughs> it's basically, um, hip hop artists, background music that without the rap on it. So, um, and then just imagine that like, it's just, you know, just hi hats and uh uh reverbs and just a lot of really just it's really pleasant to listen to I promise it's not rap music go even if you hate rap go and listen to this playlist it's really it's a really good one um that sounds cool yeah it's 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 really good so I'll have that playing a lot um in the background if I'm not listening to uh Pokemon reorchestrated jazz um yes that exists <laughs>
0: that's awesome but
1: and it is on Apple Music Insane in the Rain music guys go look them up but um it's just Interesting to me, and I and I'm gonna put this complaint out there. If there's an Apple employee, I don't care if you design the cardboard box for the pizza, just go and complain to like whoever's in charge of Apple Music. Go find Jimmy Iovine, he doesn't work there anymore. I listen to a lot of alternative and stuff. I have a lot of a very wide taste in music. But then, yes, I listen to ambient background music when I'm working. Or I've been using Apple's sleep playlists. They have multiple mm. sleep playlists, sleep sounds. I'll have those play for about two hours every night when it, it, they start automatically at my bedtime. You know, trigger, focus mode, all that automation nonsense. And my bedroom speakers start playing sleep sounds and then turn off two hours later. It's great. But now, if I go to my... Apple Music, like top 100, uh, like the 2022 playlist. It is all sleep sounds and background music. Huh, <laughs> yeah, I am yeah, I no longer in my my up next playlist, my favorites playlist, chill sounds playlist. They're all populated by these sleep sounds and stuff because they see me every single day, like clockwork, listening to the same sleep sounds playlist or uh, beat instrumentals and such. So all I get now is ambient music in my recommendations. So yeah, <laughs> and they sneak in, they sneak in an alternative track every now and then, and then it's back to the piano music. And I'm just like, Apple, you have to know that people don't want this recommended. I know, I've, I think I've brought this up on the podcast before, but my goodness, guys, yeah, yeah, let me toggle off artists or something from my recommendations. So let me get, remove it from my 2022 playlist because now come December. I'm just going to have a bunch of ambient beats to share with
0: everyone. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I ran into this because I have kids and they played all kinds of stuff on the home pods. And there is the setting in each home pod where you can turn off the recommendations from a specific home pod. So to say like, don't use whatever is played on this home pod to start recommending things to me personally.
1: And yeah, the home pod, the home pod, when you do that takes on, basically it gets its own Apple ID identifier for music and associates plays with itself rather than with a person's account, which is great. But my bedroom is Sonos. Uh, it's a play bar on my TV, uh, but I can airplay to it. So my phone airplays to the soundbar. So it's playing from my Apple music collection on my iPhone, Right. um, and there's no way obviously to say, don't recognize music from while, you know, there's not, there's nothing I can do here. Um, maybe put a home HomePod in my bedroom and do it that way. But again, it's just, Yeah. I, I feel like this has to be a common enough issue that, that like, I'm just surprised it hasn't been addressed after multiple years of Apple music being a thing. Like I, I've only run into it significantly this year because I have adopted this like sleeping habit and stuff and using Apple's sleep sounds and whatnot. But man it's just it's frustrating um cuz i want to use apple's algorithmic playlists and recommendations and such but i've completely broken it now so
0: <laughs> i guess there needs to also like you were saying just be some way to kind of like manage that or say ignore this yeah you can set i'm sorry i was looking at the homepod stuff you can set like a primary user for each homepod and that's what You want to make sure like if there's kids or other people playing stuff on a HomePod all the time that you change the primary user. They have to be a part of your home, like they have to be invited to manage a home, but you can change it to be the primary user uh, that way. But anyway, I'm curious what Apple does with HomePods this fall. I hope they get some new and exciting stuff. So tweet at us pictures of your gross white HomePods. I'd love to see that. Tweet at us whatever you'd like. Wes and I would love to hear from you. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. You can also support the show, get an ad free version both directly in Apple Podcasts. That's all settled now. So if you saw some duplicate episodes last week, it's because we moved podcast hosts and Apple helped me sort it all out. So now should all be taken care of. Thank you, Apple, for doing that. And also give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts, and you'll get a shout out at the beginning of the show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.